1: Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. There are a few horror films that are notorious as Cannibal Holocaust. Make no mistake about it, though, there are more offensive films that are Video Nasties. There are more violent films on the list. Films with more raping. And movies with worse animal cruelty. So why is this film, with its grubby grindhouse title, so well known? I'll venture that it stands head and shoulders above its peers and is a beacon of what you can achieve in extreme cinema. A pointed attack on exploitation mondo filmmaking, a less-than-gushing review of the type of person who makes documentaries, and of course, the inventor of the now omnipresent found-footed genre. Cannibal Holocaust was good, believable, and brutal and it ended up with its filmmakers in court because of that. Watch
0: it, Alan, I'm shooting. Oh, good lord! It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual or With the almost profound respect these primitives have for virginity.
1: The movie was made in 1979 and released in 1980, and it's an Italian cannibal film directed by Rorigo Diodato, of screenplay by Gianfranco Solisi, and stars Carl Gabriel York, Robert Kerman, Francesca Calardi, and Luco Balresci. Cannibal Holocaust was filmed in the Amazon rainforest with real indigenous tribes interacting with the American and Italian actors. It's a movie that tells a story about a missing documentary film crew. Now, they had gone to the Amazon to film cannibal tribes to make a kind of purient kind of, well, exploitative documentary film about the kind of things those tribes got up to. They disappear, and a rescue mission is led by a New York University anthropologist, Harold Monroe. And he manages to recover the film's lost uh, film. Uh, these 16 millimeter tapes. Uh, uh, film reels, I should say. And uh, an American television station which is to broadcast them. Because there's been such a huge deal about this film crew going missing. We follow and watch the, uh, the footage. As Monroe does. And he becomes shocked by the, the, the documentary team's actions. Once he works out and discovers and sees what happened to them, he, je- he goes to the station and effectively demands that they do not air the documentary. How The Holocaust was a forerunner of the found footage genre. It's um, the idea of, of the missing footage, although... Unlike current ones, where we effectively are in Munro's place watching the the film, um, you know, in a in an uncut form or at least edited form, it's um, this is kind of achieved more in kind of a flashback kind of way as we uh, as we as we delve in. It's a f- the the footage of the ca- of the uh, the cannibal of the of the the of the film crew. Is um, is kind of a film within a film, Uh, and indeed, there's there's footage of a different documentary, alleged using real footage, actual real footage, which is uh, again done in the same kind of way. uh, Real, it it kind of um, adds more to the horror of the film. And of course, these days, you know, Blair Witch was the was probably the forerunner in terms of making slightly less grubby horror films from it. But um, now with Paranormal Activity, wherever we're up to of those films, up at four or five, and um, and the and the rest of like these low budget kids go in the woods or or film crew goes into abandoned warehouse and gets done over by malevolent spirits, which seems to be a a major trope at the moment of in of, of B movies and 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 director directive direct well director video as it is now video on demand films. The Holocaust, of course, received its notoriety from its um, violence. Really, in truth, it was after its premiere in Italy it was seized by magistrates and DiDato was arrested on obscenity charges. The way the thing about that would be fair enough, but um, you know the, it, it is deliberately pointed there to offend people, and obviously there's going to be fallout from that. But he was actually charged with making a snuff film as well. These are due to rumours and. Part of the, the marketing of the film that claimed actors were killed on camera. The data was unsurprisingly cleared because he hasn't killed anybody. Um, but the film was banned in Italy, Australia and other countries as well due to its portrayal of graphic violence, sexual assault and of course the animal cruelty. Um, some notions have revoked that ban. Uh, obviously it was on the video nasties list. Um and some places, and it's available in a variety of different forms, basically as edited versions, because of the of the bands that have been knocking around, but also because of the um, well, there's a new director's cut, which we'll get onto a little bit later as well. So, our the story kind of follows that our anthropologist, Howard Monroe, travels to the wild and his spots is hitting the jungles of South America. To find out what happens to the crew. Now they disappeared two months ago, and they were kind of filmed these really primitive cannibalistic tribes in the rainforest. And these two guides follow with them. These two tribes, who might I add, in real life in our real life, um, are not cannibalistic tribes and not violent in this, in the, in the way that this film portrays. The Yakumo and the Yanamano. Um, he manages to kind of ingratiate himself in with the tribe, and uh, it kind of shows that you know you, it is possible to do this without them effectively trying to eat your insight. He finds the crew and the reels of undeveloped film, and then we kind of jump between the two in terms of um, him going through epic amounts of reels. and Initially, he sees the lighthearted elements of it, of the director Alan Gates his girlfriend, Faye Daniels, and cameraman, Jack Anders, and Mark Tomoso. Initially, the film kind of deals with them just kind of mucking about. And then it kind of shows how they stage all the footage for the documentary by terrorising and torturing the natives themselves. Now, the studio, Pan American, really wishes to show the footage um, and show it as like a legitimate documentary. So, Monroe kind of gets the, uh, the, the the most shocking elements of it. In this case, the final reels that show exactly how the crew's fate came to be. I
0: wonder where their village is. Just shoot in the air and we'll follow them. And when they scatter, how are we going to get there? <laughs> No, oh, wait! I know what I'm doing! Why? Don't you get it? We can never keep up with them in the jungle. This way, that buck will go slow enough to take us right to the village. Well, what do you think, Professor? But it's not the best way of establishing peace with the Akumo tribe. Now I'm beginning to understand why they greeted us with such hostility. You think this is bad? This is nothing. Alan did much worse. Just watch.
1: The Italian genre of cannibal movies is kind of a unique creation from the country. It's a genre to colour own. I mean, obviously, normally we talk about Italian films, such as um, movies like, you know, the Spaghetti Westerns and that kind of thing, taking American culture and kind of making it their own. Uh, The giallos, kind of American mystery and slashes, interlaced with um, far more explicit material. But this was bred from, it's true that it is bred from, you know, various elements of stories, you know, like the most dangerous game and them and us. You know, 1950s cowboy movies, really, which, um, and, you know, from that point of view, normally it's, you know, the cowboys go into the desert and, and, and they get attacked by, um, by, by the Indians and escape or are saved. In this, it's invariably more like white people go into the jungle and get cut cut up one by one. Lenzi's Deep River Savages, which we will discuss uh, at a later date, was the first, and Diodato had already had a go at the genre itself, with The Last Cannibal World. The genre mixed horror with suggestion that these were based on real tribe practices, although that wasn't probably true. Also The Last Cannibal World was an attempt to ratchet up the explicitness, which had been pressed in, in Deep River Savages, also known in the US as Sacrifice but not to the extent that, it, that uh, Diodato saw as the opportunity to be. Diodato as a director said he conceived the film while talking to his son about news coverage of the terrorism of the Red Brigades. Diodato thought that the media focused on betraying the violence with little regard for integrity in journalism. And he thought that the media had kind of staged news angles to kind of get this idea across. The film team in Cannibal Holocaust, therefore, symbolize the Italian media. It wasn't just that though, and the rather, you know, um, exploitative elements of news, exploitation that I think would well, fair to say we still have to this day. It was also an attack on Mondo movies, such as Mondo Kane*, Goodbye Mr. Tom, and Faces of Death. Grim supposed documentaries filled with stage footage and lurid racist content. The film effect shows titillating content to start with before revealing what the supposed victims of the film are really up to. I mean, that's the case in Cannibal Holocaust. Um, effectively, you know, Monzo Kane was a way of getting some pretty nasty gore, both faked and in the case of the animal cruelty, real. And some... Um, you know nudity as well, bit of sex, by using the tribes' people in a faux documentary format. The screenwriter Gianfranco Clary uh, wrote the script, and he collaborated on Diodato in his previous film, this uh, uh, Ultimo Mondo Cannibal, as well. Written, you know, other horror films in his time. Um. When Diodataka holds the script, he kind of fiddled about a very He made our film crew American. And also there was some edits as well to the film. One was to show a group of Yanomano cutting off the leg of a warrior and feeding him to piranha in the river. Allegedly, the, uh, the shot didn't work because the underwater camera didn't operate properly. And unsurprisingly, piranhas don't do what you tell them to. And uh, that piranha scene is something that's still kind of... In the same way, the spider walk scene in *Exorcism* is, was until we put it in the bloody director's cut version of the film. Um, still, kind of spoken about, you know, in kind of hushed tones. What about Deodato? Well, <clears throat> he was born in Balsanata and he was grew up in a, in a neighbourhood where Rome's major film studios were located, and that's where he learned to direct. Under Roberto Rossellini and Sergio Corbusi. he helped to make Corbusi's *The Son of Spartacus* uh, and Django as an assistant director. Obviously, Django, well known these days after uh, the uh, with the Tarantino kind of uh, resurrected information, you know, knowledge of that uh, that lengthy line of of, incre- of uh, cowboy movies. In the 60s he was, he was not a man who just directed um, horror he directed comedy, musical thrillers and then he went off to do TV commercials where the money was in 76 he returns to the big screen with his ultra violent police flick uh, live like a cop die like a man and then as we said before in 77 the last cannibal world in its original italian ultimo mondo cannibal kind of and then in 79 this uh cannibal holocaust We'll get on the reasons why, but after that was a break for him. Um, he had his licence removed to make direct films and it for three years. And uh, made, After that, made House on the Edge of the Park, another film that we'll discuss at a later date. And then uh, Cut and Run, a jungle adventure film. Uh, in the 80s, we're talking pretty much his career was based on slashes. Uh, Phantom of Death, Dial Help, Body Count and then the 90s TV movies and then you see him briefly and then well there's an element of people trying to bring his uh, his work back to the fore uh, Eli Roth uh, gave him a, a cameo appearance in Hostel Part 2 which uh, gave a kind of a nod and a wink to his um, cannibal movies He was a client at that uh, at the at the elite hunting lodge. Uh, he likes to uh, also eat large portions of the flesh that he was slicing off. Terrified young man. Dato is was a very um, well. He made two dozen films and TV series covering a variety of genres, as we as we spoke before. Um, obviously his reputation is grounded in this movie, but it would be unfair to say that's all he's achieved. So production began in 1979 when Diodata was contacted by uh, German film producers to make a film similar to uh, the movie Jungle Holocaust. Um, he accepted the project and immediately went in to search for a producer and went with uh, Francesco Palligigi. Uh The two first flew to Colombia to scout for filming locations. Um, Leticia was chosen after Diaz actually met a Colombian documentary filmmaker at the airport, who suggested the town as an ideal location for filming. Um, effectively that decision made a great deal of difference to what happened next. Leticia was only accessible by aircraft and from there the cast and crew had to travel by boat to reach the set. And the locale presented problems with the production. It was hot, it was prone to sudden rainstorms, and it delayed filming. There was an element of isolation there. And I think it's fair to say that in that jungle environment, people started to lose their cool a lot.
0: Here you are, Lieutenant. Well, Professor Do you think or... you could turn that... Thanks. All I can say is that you anthropologists and the missionaries are made out of special stuff. <laughs> if L holes like this didn't exist, I'm sure you would invent them. Whereas I would give both my... Well, let's say I'll give anything to be somewhere else. Look, Lieutenant, I'll be as little trouble as possible. It's just that I'm sure you've got enough problems of your own, but I'll have to be to be honest with you. No, no, not Thanks. I need your help in, in organising this expedition. How can I refuse? You have been recommended by everybody in our government as well as yours. Only I sure can guarantee that you'll still be breathing when you return. <laughs> Look, I know this is not going to be a picnic. Believe me, this is not my first trip into <laughs> the bush.
1: Principal photography began hot, uh, in hot and humid conditions on June 4th 1979 and had to be delayed on for the arrival of York for his scenes the scenes obviously were filmed with uh, for, the, for his for his stuff were in a uh, on 16 mil in a uh, cinema Verte style that mimicked observational documentary they uh, shot the film the film team was then completed flew to shoot the rain source scenes then to New York and uh, and then finally interior scenes were shot in Rome Production was delayed numerous times while filming in the Amazon. The original actor to play Alan Waits had to drop out and filming had to stop two weeks for, for, for the arrival of York. During principal filming with, with Kerman, the father of the actor who played Miguel was murdered and production had to be halted again while he flew back to Bogota to attend his father's funeral. All this led, in these kind of ridiculous conditions, to high tensions on set. Partly due to the location, and also to the content of the film. York described the set as having a level of cruelty unknown to him. While Kerman described Diodato as remorseless and uncaring. He and Diodato got into long drawn-out arguments every day of shooting, usually remarks made by the director. And then one particular unsurprising aspect that led to disagreements among the crew was genuine killing of animals. Kerman stormed off set uh, while Kutimundu was 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 filmed to be killed and York refused to participate in the killing of the pig, which he was originally scripted to execute. The screen of that pig that shot, um, you see in the film, he kind of runs in front of camera kind of starts saying something about the way this is like the cruelty of the jungle which doesn't make a lot of sense and then kind of runs off that's because he completely botches a lengthy monologue and uh, there's no time or place for retakes mainly because he only had one pig Uh, which is good obviously (laughs) Perry Pinkerman cried after filming the notorious turtle scene as well which I think for a lot of people is the scene that sticks in their mind as being particularly brutal. Uh, the actress Francesca Carodi uh, did not want to bare her breast during sex scenes. There was friction between her and Carl York. Um, apparently Diodato dragged her off set and screamed her in Italian. There is talk and rumours that there was some kind of sexual, um, friction between York and her, um, however true that is, there are, you know, there are articles about it. I don't think it's very fair to go into it, really. Um, and then, and then, um, they try, the filmmakers try and rip off the actors, allegedly, um... York's first payment was formed and it was in Colombian pesos, which was short of what he agreed. And York just, unsurprisingly, <laughs> refused to continue until he got paid in US dollars. Natives were pay, were unpaid despite some pretty gruelling conditions they had to be in. The one that sticks in the mind, probably unsurprisingly, is the um, the scene where they, well, they are stuck in a hut that's on fire. And uh, it looks like they're in that hut for far too long, really, in truth. It's the crazy, you can see in those 16mm scenes exactly the level of craziness that's going on in the filmmaking process. Robert Kermans quoted a saying about Diodato and the natives. He was a sadist. He was particularly sadistic to people that couldn't answer back, people who were Colombian and people that were Italian but could be sent home. Diodato, who to all accounts is a friendly and gentle old man now, does make regrets. Not just about the animal killing, but also about making the film in general. I think there are elements of, you know, the apocalypse now school of stuff where people go into areas for longer than they expected in crazy conditions Isolated, and start to lose their mind a little bit. Um, indeed, when it comes to the animal cruelty, Deodato was happy to, and I don't think this is just because shameless them too. But the the current Cannibal Holocaust release in the UK, as it stands, only has fifteen seconds cut out of it, which is um, to two of the animal killings. Um, But, that said, the um, Diodato was happy to do a director's cut, a new edit of the film, where all the animal cruelties removed. Stating that he kind of regretted what he'd done with that anyway. And unsurprisingly, with a film that's got this level of of violence and this level of, of sheer craziness there were repercussions. Cannibal Holocaust premiered on 7th of February 1980 in the Italian city of Milan. It was confiscated shortly afterwards as it was believed to be snuff. The original controversy that surrounded the film's release was the belief that Holocaust was a snuff film and that the actors were murdered in order to film their deaths for the movie. Now this allegation was originally suggested by the French magazine Photo in January 1981. It was, it, the confiscation happened 10 days after the premiere and Diodato was arrested. He was arrested for obscenity and those charges were amended to include murder. They, the fil, it was believed that the film crew were actually killed during the making of the movie. And this wasn't, ha- and also that the actress in the impalement scene was actually skewered in such a manner. None of this helped with Diodato was the fact that he'd signed contracts with them, with them, uh, and the producers, showing that they would not appear in any type of media, motion pictures, or commercials for one year after the film's release, in order to promote the idea that films actually recovered footage of missing documentarians. So when Diodato claimed that he had not killed the group. Questions just, people just asked, well where are they then? He managed to contact Luce Babesi and told him to gather the other three actors. As he, vo- he had to basically void the contracts in order to avoid life in prison. So the four came to the set of an Italian television show which satisfies the courts. He then had to prove that this impalement scene was merely a special effect. Now, how he did it was interesting. It was a bicycle seat, uh, which attached to the end of an iron pole, and then they actually sat on it and then put a bit of from out the mouth and lots of blood. Um, they couldn't find the girl, unsurprisingly, because it's the middle of Columbia, and also they couldn't uh, reenact the, um, the scene on court. The, person, the actress said they managed to do it kept on falling off the bike seat. But adart did have pictures of the girl interacting with crew uh, after the scene, so, they were presented as evidence, and all murder charges were dropped. Although he was exonerated from murder, the um, Cannibal Holocaust got banned anyway, and it was because of the animal slayings. And this was cited due to animal cruelty laws. Um, Diodata, the producers, screenwriters, and a United Arts Rep, each received a formal suspended sentence after they were convicted of obscenity. The daughter fought in the courts for three years to get his film unbanned, and finally it was. It was uh, granted uh, an 18 over uh, for a cut print and was later released uncut. The thing about that is, and I think the most interesting thing about that is that um, Cannibal Verox, which is uh, was a rip-off of it, that got released in 1981. Now, it's, you could argue it's nowhere near as well-made as a cannibal kind of Holocaust, but it does have a certain um, element to it still that's quite unpleasant, and um, and it's probably worse some points. And obviously that was being released at the time, but the problem is when you create this kind of furor around your movie, there's not much you can do to stop it. After all that, though, the film was the biggest sell, one of the biggest selling movies of the 1990s for Italy, the Italian filmmaking and made £20 million, 7 million of that, just from Tokyo. See Campbell Holocaust I suppose is seen as a bit of a social commentary, though, on various aspects of modern civilization. I mean you can argue that it compares, you know, Western society and cannibalism and does that kind of cliched who's the real monster thing. It doesn't just focus on eating flesh, in fact there's very little flesh eating in it. It's the difference between civilization and uncivil well the concepts of being uncivilized are these actually uncivilized I think it's fair to say that though that it, it although the violence is extreme and certainly the last 15 minutes particularly unpleasant it does ask the question of just because we come from cities do we have a right to basically steamroll away through society there is um, there has been I think under the lens of of critical opinion though it can the film can fall apart slightly Um, film historian um, David Carter says that The lack of journalist integrity is shown through the interaction between Professor Munro and the news agency that had backed the documentary crew. They continue to push Munro to finish editing the footage because blood and guts equal ratings. And Lloyd Kaufman, um, obviously the director, still stands by the film and says that, you know, reality TV is uh, the closest thing now to what Didato was talking about at the time. But let's have a look at the hypocrisy of it um for example and it's probably fair to say that the um, for a film that's so obsessed with the exploitation of others it's ludicrously exploitative itself that horrendous production that i spoke of before is an indication of that the fact that the uh, Robert Kerman, who is basically the voice of reason in the film, comes from a porno background, probably doesn't help the case and it is very very lurid in its tone deliberately so but nonetheless it is still there after all, why would you criticize uh, documentaries for killing animals and, and being exploiting a, a, a different cultures? when it's blatantly obvious that that's kind of where you're headed yourself with your own actions. Um, it's been claimed that um, the film is basically unrepentant and that, you know, posthumously doing some kind of who's worse, you know, the cannibals or us kind of thing is disingenuous considering the, the extreme levels. What I would say, well, there's two things I'd say about that. One is there are double standards. Rules of the Game, El Topo, Apocalypse Now all have animal cruelty in or violence towards animals, but never come across the same kind of critical or um, or sensorial views. You know, you see a heifer getting slaughtered on screen near the end of, um, of Apocalypse Now, for example. And that seems acceptable, mainly because it's in a documentary footage kind of way. The Diodata was was deliberate trying to blur the lines, and I think there was a naivety in some of his actions. But I do think that certainly a lot of the fuss about Cannibal Holocaust is because it works, but also because it um, it revels in its own exploitation. I mean. I think the ad. I think a lot of the film cr- criticism that comes of it comes of it not because of the kind of film it is, but because the film is deliberately trying to upset you. It's pointed in its attack, and that comes across in waves with um, some of what goes on. It wants to make you feel awful, and it wants to hit to hurt. It genuinely wants to hurt the audience, and it does it successfully as well. So in this case um, you know it's successful but I mean film critics can take a front to that. The like, Holocaust is innovative in its plot structure especially this found footage thing which led on to that you know it's different but slightly slightly similar devices. You know the idea of a lost film crew getting butchered is, is ultimately there. And it's also bearing bear, bear in wine that the Blair Witch Project did a similar kind of where are these actors kind of now in a, an advertising campaign that the, the, the actual actors did disappear and they are actually you know real people. Cannibal um, kind of Holocaust is similar and has does have uh, does definitely have an influence most notably Cannibal Ferox which also uh, stars Kerman and Perkman. Um Umberto Lenzi director Campbell Ferox and we'll get on to this when we speak about that film says that he wasn't directly influenced by Campbell Holocaust but uh, I doubt that very much he certainly was because you know it it, it, it is very similar in its tone to, um, to that film also of course there is um, a number of unofficial sequels and um, scenes that are mirrored in, in others um, classic thing in terms of Zombie 2 which obviously an unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead this kind of idea of unofficial sequels do pop up with Cannibal Holocaust and there is a Cannibal Holocaust 2 specifically as well um, there is no association between the two but um, in 85 Mario Garizo's sheer bench Valiza di Amazonia uh, known in English as Amazonia, the Catherine Mills story, uh, and was also released as Campbell Holocaust 2, the Catherine Mills story. In 88, uh, Mondo director Antonio Clamati uh, made Nature Contro, which was released as Campbell Holocaust 2 in Thailand and the UK. Bruno Meschaletti, uh, made two straight to video films back to back in 2003, which have been released as Campbell Holocaust sequels in Japan. The film soundtrack is very notable, and also ties back to the fact that um, did Otto did actually know what he was doing when he made the film. Um, although to be fair, I, I, I find it difficult to argue that he didn't. Anyway, Ritual, um Ottolini was uh, picked specifically because of his work with Mondo Kane and that film's main theme, and it—it's kind of a strange, oddly haunting music which plays and um, it has a a very strong uh, connotations. It puts you in the mindset, possibly, if you'd seen those Mondo movies of those kind of films, but also it kind of has a strong and kind of almost dreamlike quality to it, you know, the brutality of nature. mention that, you know, it's I, for me personally obviously and knew what he was doing I think that's very true when you look at some, the footage for The Road to Hell which is, it's shown halfway through the film at this point the film actually shows real documentary footage supposedly of a Burmese, um documentary that the filmmakers him made before it's incredibly strong stuff and kind of plonks in the middle of the movie it's interesting that that rather horrible documentary film footage is not the thing people get upset about about the film. I think that's partly because, and indeed the, the statement that the, the director's making is that this is where this kind of, the it, it, it draws direct comparisons between the two the documentary film footage and also the, the, the film footage of, you know, the, the type of Mondo Kane stuff but also that makes the statement that we are desensitized to that there's lots of horrific scenes with text on top of the screen and there's certain kind of that That, and the reason why I mention it now is that Ritz um music on top which kind of desensitizes you to this rather grim content the movie is at the um, the centre of the video Nazis for all um, GoVidjo originally sent a letter to Mary Whitehouse stating concern about the film and an advert that we used, the front cover of the film for the, the video would show cannibalism. It's kind of a cartoony kind of image that, but of course, a storm when it was placed in the video magazine. It was the first proper mark, and I go into this in more detail in the introduction to this podcast, the Video Nasties podcast, where I kind of go into like this idea of grindhouse stylings and stuff. But it was the first real indication of the old grindhouse stylings and advertising in the 1970s um, that had arrived in uh, in the UK and there was a major fallout from it really. Um it, it was the, between this and Driller Killer were two major Kickstarters for the for for the Video Nasties for Raw. And uh the Go Video released the pre-cut uh, sh- version in nineteen eighty two which was labelled as a nasty on the original Nasties list in July nineteen eighty three and stayed on the on the list throughout the panic. It was only passed with five minutes 44 seconds of cuts in 2001 all those cuts were to animal cruelty and sexual violence uh, in 2000 in 2011 there was a shameless the shameless release which i mentioned before which only has 15 seconds of cuts which i think was a surprise the shameless because they'd commissioned deodato to do a new version of the film with the animal violence removed um Interestingly enough, even in the nineteen nineties, claims that the um, the film was a snuff film were still rampant, and it was sieged in, in a Birmingham co- uh, comic book fair um, for as being uh, scenes of actual general death. I think it's safe to say there are a lot of grey areas that Campbell Holocaust tread sometimes. Um, art himself has gone to recourse any regrets making the film. But despite all this, despite the rape, despite the animals, despite all this, this killing that happens on screen and the craziness on set, and yes, using documentary film footage as well to prove a rather hand-fisted point, the movie holds up. At its basis level, the film has no other plans than to assault its viewer. It wants to make you feel bad, it wants to upset you to attack you for liking and wishing to seek out this content. I remember finishing the film for the first time and wondering what had brought me to this moment, to wish to seek out a film like this, to want to feel like that at the end of the movie. And surely that, if nothing else, is the sign that of a film that's been executed in a very, very impressive way. It generally just wants to assault you. And if you, even if you don't agree with the politics, if you don't agree, believe that data would set out to p- highlight hypocrisies in the media, at that very least, it's a success. Cannibal Holocaust is one of the films that is uh, mentioned when um, the, fil- the newspapers at the time do go through the list of films that, are, uh, that should be banned or, you know, it is terrible. The, um, the Sunday Times on the 23rd of May 1982 put the following thing Uncentred horror video cassettes available to anybody of any age have arrived in Britain's high streets. The videos, called Nasties in the Trade, are freely available for hire or sale off, off the shelves of hundreds of shops catering for the video boom. They cost as little as £2 to hire for up to four nights. They exploit extremes of violence and are rapidly replacing sexual pornography at the video trade's biggest money spinner. The nasties are far removed from the suspense of the traditional horror film. They dwell on murder, multiple rape, butchery, sadomasochism, mutilation of women, cannibalism and Nazi atrocities. The films have such titles as The Driller Killer, the cassette box of which carries a colour photograph of a man screaming when an electric drill is driven through his forehead. Then there is SS Experiment Camp, which features experiments of women in a Nazi concentration camp. Other titles are Cannibal Terror, Cannibal Holocaust, Blood Feast, and I Spit on Your Grave. And how about this little uh, this little nugget information from the Daily Express from uh, May 28th, uh, 1982. The and horror specialist is a company called Go Video Limited, distributing such films as Cannibal Holocaust and Macabre, both promoted to by distasteful advertisements as well as SS Experiment Camp. Its offices are in Soho, but according to company records it is trading illegally for the people running it haven't registered their involvement which is a good way of hiding their identities. By that time the um, the authorities have been involved on, on May 30 if we see a uh, 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 the Sunday Times as follow-up story is that that the the authorities are starting to look into the issue and, and, and a cannibal Holocaust video cover is uh, is used to, uh, to to get the to, to grab the attention of the horrors that are within. So with its like kind of pure content, there were there were statements made about the films in the, in the papers at the time. I'm sure there's more in there if you if you rummage through the old archives too. It's one of the films that get mentioned a lot. <clears throat> I mean, when we deal with snuff and SS experiment camp, there's loads that get said about those. Or it's the same line repeated again and again and again. Like, but they, they do pop up quite a lot. We've had a bit of feedback as well, which is which is fantastic news. Uh, Mark who goes by the Twitter name at T-T-K-K-E-N on Twitter, has been very kind enough to, to leave some feedback about the movie. He says, Cannibal Holocaust fully achieves what it sets out to do. It's so good at what it does, it's still one of the most depraved reviled horror movies, even after 30 years. It's interesting to see how newer horror fans think that the likes of Hostel push the envelope too far. Whereas Cannibal Holocaust did far more so long ago. Cannibal Holocaust is a bit of a contradiction. The haunting score by Ritualini and beautiful choreography by Sergio Di Rossini seem at odds with the upsetting content. The structure of the movie, with its opening investigation leading to the cinema verti second half, was true genius, however. The acting is quite typical for exploitation cinema, featuring mainly non US actors i.e. not that good. To be honest I've never had the stomach for the real animal killings and this is perhaps my biggest problem with the movie overall. Exercising these scenes still see leaves a highly effective movie that assaults the senses at every turn. It's a true genre classic. I'm interested to see how The Green Inferno does, Eli Roth's upcoming movie. Roth doesn't have a love for the genre and cannibal movies have pretty much been overlooked for many years. Well, tribal cannibalism movies anyway. It's hard to see how any newer cannibal film, movies could surpass the nastiness made by the Italians back in the 70s and 80s. And I can't see any major studio releasing anything that would come close. Well, thank you very much for that, Mark. It, it, it's fantastic for your feedback. It, it, it's great to, to get that on board. Uh, and I agree. I think it, it's fair enough. Um, I think, interestingly, when I rewatched, I mean, I've seen this a few times now. I'm surprised in the Cannibal Holocaust... And um, it's still kind of... That violence, particularly that title scene, is just so horrible and seemingly needless, apart from to revolt you and to shock you, that you wonder where it's going to go. Funnily enough, I didn't speak about Eli Roth's upcoming movie. Um, obviously, the fray the green and now reverts directly to... Cannibal Holocaust. It's it's the uh, it's 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 the title in terms of what documentary, the TV producer want to put out as what happens there. It's called a green inferno because obviously you know the, the 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 rainforest, but the incredible violence that it's capable of there. I don't know. I mean, my feeling is it won't be the movie that you hope it will be, but we'll have to. But you know, we'll have to see. I suppose. Right, well, I think that's going to wrap up this element of uh, Cannibal Holocaust. I think I've covered pretty much what I want to. It's good to be able to pull out some stuff from the newspaper archive as well to kind of give you a bit of a feel for how the movie was seen at the time. As you can say, I mean, obviously, the title is used shorthand, I think, a lot for the horrors that people see within, and that's the case with a lot of these films, particularly, you know, there's a reason why, I Spit In Your Grave in SS Experiment Camp A were seen in the first place as being the nasties they were, but also the fact that they, you know, were, they could be easily used as shorthand for rape and murder and violence. We're hoping the
0: climate didn't damage them too much. And so in exchange for the tape recorder, the cannibal chief let you take away the cans of film. Is that it? Yes. They thought that since I was capable of capturing the human voice, I was also capable of capturing their spirit. This convinced them that I was the only one capable of breaking the evil spell that had been cast over the tribe by their murder of the whites. Of course, they had no inkling of what was really in those cans. And how could you explain what a movie is? I just felt that they were a threat. Why do you say threat? Well, the Yamamomos understood how important these film cans were to Alan Yates and his crew. They thought the silver boxes contained their power. A power which, I must say again, caused much damage and violence. Fantastic story. Thank you, Professor Monroe. You're very welcome. As we conclude this special interview, we would like to remind you that Wednesday at 9 p.m. here on Pantheon, we'll be presenting part 1 of The Green Inferno, the dramatic film testimony of an extraordinary adventure that took its protagonists all the way back to the Stone Age.
1: Right so, okay. Um if you want to get in touch, much like Mark did, that would be great. Got a little bit of feedback in reverse to Fight for Your Life from Rob Wilson, who uh, very kindly has left some feedback for us here. Uh, he says, I haven't watched this movie since it came out on DVD, which will have been the Blue Underground release in 2003, so that's, what, 10 years now? But does this one pack a punch? William Sanderson's character Jesse is so over the top. Sure, there's been tons of racist film characters over the years. This one may be at the top. More than a couple jaw-dropping moments. The sleaze factor is off the charts. Don't think I uh, even told anybody I watched the DVD. Seemed like a conversation I didn't want to have. I'm not aware, Smith. Tried ever so carefully to say it's something you must see. And he says he can't wait to to hear my opinion, which is lovely of him to say. Uh, Thanks very much for that, Rob. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Fight for your life is the one that was before this one. if you listen to it, please do listen to it. Um, probably one for... It's the only one I've heard that comes with a warning. Let's put it that way. Right. So. Um, if you want to get in touch, much like Rob and much like Mark, please do. My Twitter is at orange underscore monkey. My uh, email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can do what Mark and Rob did, which is go to the website, videonastiespodcast.com, and leave a comment on any of the pieces. I always put the trailer up midweek for the the next film that's coming, so you can leave a comment on there if you want to leave a comment for an upcoming feature, as it were. Thanks very much, and just to check, we have got a slightly less... (laughs) Well, offensive film, shall we say, coming next week. Um, although one that could has the possibility to be quite interesting. It's Blood Rights, also known as the Ghastly Ones, which is a very low budget, but um, some interesting characters behind it. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: Professor Monroe, I can assure you that they knew exactly what they wanted. That may be, but meanwhile, they're all dead, aren't they?